0: This is Speaking Freely with the ACLU of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Hoover, your host and director of communications at the ACLU of PA. We're back. I've been having a great summer. I hope you have too. And yes, summer is not over yet, but the podcast two-month respite is done. I'm looking forward to bringing you more conversations about the pressing civil liberties issues of the day. For this episode, I talked with Celeste Trustee, the Pennsylvania State Policy Director for FAM. FAM is a sentencing and prison reform advocacy group founded in 1991. FAM is organizing a lobby day at the state capitol in Harrisburg on September 24th to advocate for reform to Pennsylvania's probation system. ACLU-PA is one of multiple partners for the lobby day, and in this conversation, Celeste and I talk about FAM's priorities why the probation system is so dysfunctional, and what she thinks is a criminal justice reform issue that doesn't get enough attention. By the way, if you enjoy the podcast, I encourage you to give it a review on your podcast app of choice. Your reviews raise the visibility of the program. So let's hear from Celeste Trusty from FAM. This conversation was recorded on August 7th. Well, Celeste, thanks for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate the opportunity to sit down and chat about what FAM's up to. Just to give listeners some context, let's talk about FAM. Mm -hmm. Uh, FAM stands for, or maybe did stand for, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have noticed that you all don't use that full title anymore on your website. It seems like the organization is evolving into a broader array of criminal justice reform. So tell us about FAM and the work you do.
1: FAM has been around since 1991, and it used to be Families Against Mandatory Minimums, but in the last few years, we've really expanded the scope of the work that we've been doing in the criminal justice system. We do definitely still work on mandatory minimum issues at the state and the federal level, but we definitely are working on a lot of other sentencing and prison reform issues as well.
0: Okay, great. Well, let's talk about that. What are are the priority issues that FAM's working on right now?
1: The top priority is, of course, keeping mandatory minimums off the books and stopping mandatory minimums from, you know, from being instated at all. But in Pennsylvania, you know, one of the things we're really looking at also is life without parole reform. There is some legislation in both the House and the Senate at looking at at parole eligibility for people who are serving mandatory life without parole sentences in Pennsylvania. We have currently over 5,400 people in Pennsylvania serving these mandatory life without parole sentences. Some of whom didn't take a life, uh, some of whom, if they did offend, um, it was many, many, many years ago. And when we're looking at life without parole, we're basically saying that someone should be held accountable and judged by the absolute worst moment of their life for the rest of their life. And it just flies in the face of science. I mean, we know that people can change. Uh, we know we have brain science that shows that people age out of crime. We know, I mean, even from lived experience, I'm not the same person I was when I was 18, 20, even 25, sure. right? So we're looking at mandatory life without parole. We really need to take a look at that and what that means for people when we sentence them to life without parole in Pennsylvania. Before
0: okay? you move on, I just wanted to ask you, you've, I've, you've referenced what you call second look. Is that yes. what you're talking about? So now? second
1: look is really, I mean, life without parole is more, is a second look uh, sentence reform. So basically, second look sentencing uh, allows people to have that second look at their sentence after they've served a certain number of years. So at the federal level, Senator Booker just introduced a bill, I believe it's called the Second Chance Act, that I believe it's after 10 years of serving a sentence, you automatically are eligible for review. Mm -hmm. That's not going to mean that everyone's going to be given relief, um, but it allows people to have that second look. So people who are deserving of a second chance, can go before either the parole board or the courts and be able to actually have that second chance.
0: So I stopped you there. Did you have other priorities? Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, compassionate release and medical parole and aging out is actually another really, really good priority of ours. We really think that everybody should have the option of dying with some sort of dignity, ending their life with some sort of dignity. Most people who are eligible for compassionate release or medical parole are not really a threat to public safety, but we are paying a lot of money every single year in our corrections budget. I think the, the, it's $278 million in 2017 that the Department of Corrections spent on medical care for people in prison. Wow. And so if we could just look at our aging prison population, right, our sick prison population, and look at them and say, you know, you aren't a threat to public safety. What can we do to try to facilitate you going home, living the rest of your life, with some sort of dignity with your family, so that we're not placing that burden on taxpayers in Pennsylvania. And then we also have probation reform, and probation reform is a big push for us this year. We really think we can make a difference this year in the session. There's some great legislation in the House and the Senate on probation reform, so we have a really big lobby day coming up on September 24th at the Capitol for probation reform.
0: So that's a good segue to my next question, which is about the lobby day. As you said, it's September 24th at the state capitol in Harrisburg, uh, and it is around probation reform. There's a particular piece of legislation, uh, Senate Bill 14, which is in play. Mm-hmm. Um, explain why the probation system in Pennsylvania is so dysfunctional, and what reforms FAM is prioritizing.
1: Right. So there's actually there's HB 1555, which is in the House, and then we have the SB 14, which is in the Senate. So Pennsylvania, our supervision rate is 19% higher than the national average. Mm-hmm. That is outrageous, right? And so we've seen a trend across the country where supervision rates have actually dropped. But in Pennsylvania, we saw that they actually have gotten higher. And so it seems as though we are not really following that national trend of trying to reduce the number of people who are under community supervision.
0: And just to clarify for listeners, that you're talking about both probation and parole. Yeah,
1: so community supervision is probation and parole. You know, these bills really do more focus on probation. We do need parole reform as well in Pennsylvania, but this push is definitely for probation reform. Also in Pennsylvania, you know, we're only one of a couple states, a handful of states in America, where you can actually get probation that is uh, equal to the statutory maximum for that offense, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So just imagine if the statutory maximum is 20 years for your offense and you get released after 10 years. That means you could have, you know, 10 years of probation. Um, If you are released after one year, you could have 19 years of probation. And then in Pennsylvania, we also allow people to stack probation terms. Mm -hmm. So you can have consecutive terms of probation. So imagine if you could get violated for something like missing a meeting, right? Say you can't find childcare and you miss a meeting to go visit your probation officer. That could be a violation and that could actually send you back to jail or prison. And you could be held there while you're waiting for a hearing. And it's clogging up our prison beds. Um, It's costing us so much money. And then when you think about the disruption in somebody's life, even if you're not violating, but you have to go and meet a parole officer as many times as you do, or there's this condition where you can't be around disreputable people or disreputable places. What does that even mean, you know? (laughs) I mean, what does that even mean? So these are things that can send people back to jail or prison if you violate these minor little things. And when you get sent back to jail, you know, imagine if you're there for a week, you don't show up for work, you can lose your job. What about your children? Mm -hmm. Say you're there for a month. I know someone who actually was uh, sent back for a technical parole violation, which ended up being unfounded and he was sent home, but he was held for 81 days after he had already been released from prison and was doing amazing things for over a year. They held him for 81 days. He missed a whole season of holidays, another season of holidays with his family. Luckily, he had people who were able to support him and kept his apartment going, fed his cat. But what if you don't have those things, right? Right. We're setting people up for failure. Whereas we should really be focusing on how we can look at when people are coming home, how we can support them so that they can have a successful reentry into the community.
0: Well, as I recall, there's some data out there, and I'm not going to get this exactly right, but there's some data that shows that the window of time in which a person is at any kind of risk of reoffending is really limited.
1: Very limited. uh, Less than three years, I I think? think? Yeah, I think it's about three years, like two to three years. Right. And so, you know, the fact that we are putting people on probation for so long there's no return on investment right if people are going to reoffend it's going to be in the first couple of years so why don't we instead of putting people on ridiculous probation terms right why don't we focus on those first couple years giving people supports so that they don't reoffend they're less likely to reoffend and then cut them off they should be allowed to earn their way off by good behavior by educational programs and there should be some sort of limit to how long we should be able to keep people under
0: supervision. So with that in mind, um, what are the reforms that FAM and your partners are, including the ACLU of Pennsylvania, are trying to achieve?
1: So um, some probation reform priorities that we and like the ACLU and a whole lot of other groups as well, like AFP, um, Americans for Prosperity, you know, exactly. Yeah. We're ha- it's a very broad coalition of groups who are coming together to try to um, make this probation reform go through. Um, so we want people to be able to earn their way off, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have if you go through educational programs, you should get credit for that, right? You should be able to earn your way off of supervision. Vocational programs, same thing. You should be able to earn your way off of supervision. We also want to see supervision caps. We don't want people to be able to be on probation for 20 years, for 10 years. It doesn't make any sense at all. So we would love to see caps on supervision lengths. We also want to see the elimination of stacked sentences we don't think that people should be on probation for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I know someone who told me he's on parole for 60 years and then I believe he's got 50 years of probation or something like that oh, after. Right. What are we what is he supposed to do with his life? You know, it's like having that over your head is is so difficult. You know, you're you're living your life with that every day knowing that you could be violated for any any little thing and sent back
0: well we had a meeting uh, last month in Harrisburg and one of our partners who was there is on parole and I I seem to recall him saying that he had to talk to his PO to leave his home
1: county yes that's one of the things that we also think should be changed you know a lot of people who are on probation and parole want to go out and talk to the communities about these issues and they have to get permission from their officer Mm -hmm. to leave their their county You know, and so if somebody wants to come to Harrisburg and talk to legislators, they have to get permission first. And, you know, I've heard great stories that probation officers and parole officers are like, oh, it's not a problem. Go ahead. But I've heard some other ones, some other stories where people are like, well, no, they wouldn't let me go. And so I can't go or I'm risking violating by being here. But I need to be here because this story and this mission is so much more important, you know. And you know, we really also want to make sure that there is a limit to how long somebody can be put back in jail or prison based on technical violations. Mm. Right now, people are just being held and held, and we know what that does to somebody's life. It's so disruptive. And so we want to make sure that there is a limit to how long somebody can be held uh, based on a technical violation as well.
0: So if folks want to attend the, if they want to attend the Lobby Day on September 24th, um, what can they expect, and where can they get more information about it? Yeah,
1: so this Lobby Day is going to be awesome. I believe we have 15 groups from across the state of Pennsylvania that are partnering on this. Broad-based coalition, all kinds of people who are coming, and it's going to be great. So we want to really pack the house that day. So if you're interested in probation reform in Pennsylvania, definitely check it out. It's on September 24th. Um, In the morning, we're going to have a little bit of a training to teach people how to talk to legislators. Then from 9 to 10, we have a press event where we're going to have lawmakers come out and talk, impacted people come out and talk. It's going to be in the rotunda, so it'll be really, really, really neat. Um, And then after the press event, we're going to go and have meetings with lawmakers and staff so we can tell them that this is a really important issue for their constituents across the state. If people are interested and want to know, they can easily just Google FAM Pennsylvania Probation Reform, and it can actually take you to the RSVP link. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can also text REFORM, that's R-E-F-O-R-M, to 2133, and that takes people directly from their cell phones to the RSVP page as well.
0: Okay, great. Uh, I do want to ask you about a couple other things FAM uh, is interested in, you're working on. I I really love this uh, Visit a Prison Challenge. Mm -hmm. Tell us about
1: that. The Visit a Prison Challenge is really going well. We've seen across the country a lot of people really getting into this. Our idea is that whoever is making policies or writing any sort of legislation or making decisions about people in prison should probably meet some people in prison, right? Right. Right. If you don't go, you won't know. If you don't go, you're not going to know that we have amazing people in prison and that we have so much more in common with people who are in prison than we would even think. Right. You also won't know about the conditions that people are living in when they're in prison, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, well, you're in prison. You committed a crime and we don't need to worry about you. Well, these are human beings and they have rights as well. No one gives up their human rights by being in prison. People who are making these laws need to understand that when you go into a prison, you're going to meet someone who's just like you. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the things I do, I, I teach an advocacy workshop and, you know, I tell everybody to close their eyes and think about the worst thing they've ever done. And immediately people's body language sh- you know, is crazy. People start shifting in their seats and opening their eyes to see who else is closing their eyes and who else is participating. <sighs> and then I give them a few seconds and I say, all right, now open your eyes and I want you to write that thing on the name tag that's in front of you right now, right? Everyone immediately, again, is like, I'm not picking up a pen. I don't want to write that down. Let me think of something else, you know, when I maybe stole a a five-cent pack of gum when I was four years old, right? Right, right. (laughs) Well, the the idea is we're all human beings, and we've all done some pretty awful things. We will continue to do pretty awful things because we're human beings. That's just the way we are, right? Mm -hmm. But how would you feel? If you had to wear the worst thing you've ever done as a badge on the front of your shirt so that every interaction you had with family members or friends or coworkers or people at your church, that's what they would see about you. And that's how they would judge you. That's how they would make their decisions about you, right? Mm-hmm. That would be awful. I would rather have that I'm a mom or, you know, I'm a mentor, I'm an advocate, I'm an activist, These are the things that I would want people to know about me, not the worst thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. People in prison deserve that same level of respect and dignity, right? Yeah, they might have done something minor or awful at one point in their lives, but the fact that we will sit there and say, well, you guys who are in prison don't deserve a second chance, even though I did. You guys in prison need to be shut away from society, even though I'm allowed to be in society, and have a job and have kids and all these things. It just seems so unfair. And so when when I do that exercise, it really helps people kind of put themselves in the position of someone who's in prison or someone who's offended because they're like, oh, there before the grace of God go I, Mm -hmm. right? I could be that person. My son, my daughter, my friend could be that person. They just didn't get caught. Or maybe they had a better lawyer or maybe their race was different, you know?
0: Yeah." And have public officials been taking you up on it? I've seen some have been yeah, doing so it. Yeah, so in
1: Pennsylvania, I think we have about 20 lawmakers in Pennsylvania who have taken the challenge publicly. They've posted videos, posted the pledge. A lot have already gone and visited prisons. I went uh, to SCI Chester with a few uh, very recently, and that was a really, really great visit. But we have a lot more than 20 lawmakers in Pennsylvania.
0: That is true. Right? Right. Two hundred and fifty-three in the legislature. Exactly. Not to mention county officials, right, and, city and, district and district attorneys, and you know people
1: who are running for office. And I'm so grateful for the 20 that have pledged and have you know called on their on their colleagues to do this. But we really need to be putting more pressure on the rest who have not taken this challenge yet. Because what is the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. We have, I believe, 26 prisons in Pennsylvania, so you could easily find a prison. And the DOC in Pennsylvania makes it very easy for lawmakers to go visit, mm-hmm. right? So it really is not a problem to go visit. If they have a problem, we can even set, help set them up and, you know, help, help set up a tour. But we need people to try to help keep their lawmakers accountable. And so feel free to post a video, tag your lawmakers, you know, on social media and say, hey, have you taken the, the Visit a Prison Challenge? If you have, great, thank you. Make sure you thank them for going. But if they haven't, ask them why.
0: Yeah. And folks can, can hit that hashtag, uh, visit a prison, and they can see all the activity that's going on around Exactly, and, and yep. And use it. You know.
1: Hashtag visit a prison. It's on all of our social media platforms, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and if you want more information, there's actually an action we have on our website. If you just Google mm-hmm. FAM visit a prison challenge, there's a form letter that you can actually just put your information in, and it sends out a letter to all of your lawmakers. You don't even have to know who they are right. uh, asking them to visit a prison.
0: So to some degree, it seems like we we are in the heyday of criminal justice reform, or at the very least, we're in a lot better place than we probably were a decade ago. But tell me about an issue that you think is not getting enough attention.
1: So I think a main issue is retroactivity, right? Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of sentencing reforms happening. Like you said, it's the heyday, right? We see people on the right and on the left taking up this charge to go and address criminal justice reform. It's great that we're seeing all these sentencing uh, reforms but if they're not applied retroactively, we have people who are sitting in prison completely unfairly, mm-hmm. right? Because if people were charged now, they would have a different sentence than if they were charged 20, 30 years ago. Right. And one of those things when I think about, you know, I know a lot of people who you know, have been in prison or jail for things that now are not even being charged, mm. okay? Things that are no longer criminally illegal in certain areas. But those people are still sitting in jail. They still have records that haven't been expunged. We really need to start looking at how we can try to rectify the harm that we have caused with our tough-on-crime policies to the people who suffered under those policies. What can we do to try to help them, right, whenever we're looking at reforms? We need to make sure that we're not leaving out the people who are already suffering and still in prison.
0: Well and the most ho- probably the most high profile example of that is marijuana in which you have what 10 states now that have recreational exactly. plus the district of Columbia mm-hmm. and in a lot of those states there are still people in their state prisons that are there because of marijuana charges. Exactly. Um, I know there are some governors that are interested and motivated to, you know, commute or mm-hmm. pardon but it's it's exactly what you described.
1: Right. And we have people again those people should be home. They should be yeah. home with their families. Uh, you know, there are people serving life for marijuana offenses, uh, mostly at the federal level. We really need to look at the reforms that we're making, which we're making leaps and bounds, and it's amazing, but we can't forget about the people who were punished under those really tough on crime eras. Uh,
0: at the beginning of, the, of our conversation, you talked about FAM and FAM's work. And, uh, you know, FAM is a national organization. I've also noticed in the last four years or so that it seems that the organization is getting more um, involved in state-level work. Mm -hmm. Um, At least, I I use the four-year window just because that's when FAM first came on my radar. I knew about the organization, but in terms of working in Pennsylvania, it was around 2015 or so that I Mm -hmm. first became aware of, hey, they're here in PA. Say a little bit about that. Why is FAM emphasizing state work and Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania in particular?
1: We're definitely in a couple states, and we realize that state-level work, I mean, there are some states that have some major, major problems with mass incarceration, just like at the federal level. So we can't just look at the federal level. We have to look at states as well. Pennsylvania is one of those states that really needs a lot of reform. We have an extremely high incarceration rate, an extremely high rate of community supervision. You know, we see these racial disparities. We see all kinds of problems in Pennsylvania's system with the the criminal legal system, and we need to make a change. And so seeing that FAM has really become invested in the last four or five years in the work in Pennsylvania has been awesome. I've lived in Pennsylvania my entire life. I have loved ones who have been in the system. I have friends who are currently in the system that I've actually made friends with through this work. And they're absolutely amazing. And knowing that FAM has actually hired native Pennsylvanians to actually work on this, right? So when I first started with FAM, I was the Philadelphia-based organizer. I was Mm -hmm. organizing families in Philadelphia and the surrounding communities. And then we also have Evans Moore, who's our Pittsburgh-based organizer, and he has been in, in Pittsburgh his whole life, and he's been organizing impacted families out in the Pittsburgh area. And that has really been awesome, because we've been able to work in coalition with groups who have already been doing this work on the ground for years and years and years, lend whatever resources we have to that work, and you know, try to create a larger community of people who are fighting across the state of Pennsylvania for reform.
0: So how did you get involved in this work?
1: So I got involved in this work. It's, it's kind of odd. I've always been very into crime and mysteries, even as a child. That's yeah. all, the only books I would read were about crime and mysteries. And when I first um, went to school, I started really trying to understand crime and behavior. Because I had seen people who were in the system, and I knew that they weren't bad people. And I saw people who were doing the same exact thing, but weren't in the system, and nobody thought they were bad people. And I saw the shame that was heaped on you know, my friends and different people in my family based on the fact that they knew someone who was in prison or they had a child who was in prison. And I thought, you know, but they're not bad people. There's something going on here that needs to change. I just saw over and over again, you know, how the news portrayed people who have offended, right? And I knew how damaging that was. And I thought, we've got to do something about not just reform. We have to change the conversation about justice involvement, Mm. right? People who are justice involved are, are, you know, again, just like people who aren't justice involved. And often there's a situation that we have to consider. And we need to start talking about the fact that justice involvement is normal, right? There was just a study that came out that one in two adult Americans know someone who has served time. So if we know that 50% of people in America know someone who's been justice-involved, why are we still acting like people should be ashamed? Right. That means half of our country should be ashamed because they know someone? That's just not okay, right? And so my goal here in this work is to make sure that I am constantly staying connected to the people who are on the ground, the families who are suffering, the people who are in prison, who have a voice and have amazing opinions. And I want to take what they're saying to Harrisburg. So the policy work that I'm doing with the Pennsylvania legislature, I really want it to be bottom up.
0: You Mm -hmm. know,
1: we right now have such a top down system where people in power are the ones who are making all the decisions without involving the people who it actually impacts. And I think that we need to change that in order to make some real reforms. We need to bring the actual impacted people directly to the doorstep of the people who are writing this legislation.
0: So if folks want to learn more about FAM, where can they go?
1: They can go a bunch of different places. So FAM.org is our website. We have our social media platforms, which is FAM Foundation on Twitter and Instagram, and just FAM on Facebook. We also have our Families in Action Facebook page, which is a closed group for impacted people Mm. across the country. FAM staff is very, very active. We love talking to our family members, and we really, really enjoy being interactive with people there. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Jury Room blog. You know, I'm constantly whining about the state of the criminal legal system. So if you're interested in hearing me whine, um, feel free to follow me. And then once in a while, I do break it up with things like uh, pictures of my dogs or my kids or being at the gym. But, yeah, definitely reach out to people at FAM. Um, If you are in Pennsylvania and you want to get involved, um, you can definitely reach out to me. My email is ctrusty at fam.org. And yeah, definitely reach out. We're really trying to get as many people involved in this work as possible, um, empowering as many family members as possible to just have the tools they need to feel like they can advocate for themselves and hold people accountable who are in power.
0: Well, Celeste, the work you're doing is extremely important. Thanks for your time and thanks Thank for your you work. Thank so
1: much. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you to Celeste Trustee for her time and insights. Check out FAM at FAM.org. That's f-a-m-m.org. And on social media, they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle Fam Foundation. That brings episode 28 to a close. The editor of Speaking Freely is Amy Giacomucci, and our music is from bensound.com. The executive director of the ACLU of Pennsylvania is Reggie Shuford. I'm Andy Hoover, the host, writer, and director of this podcast. Until next time, be free.